This is AutoLine Extra, available exclusively on the internet. Here again is John McElroy. Welcome to our internet discussion all about the retail side of the business with Joe Serra from the Serra Automotive Group, Neil Bodette from the Wall Street Journal, Aaron Bragman from IHS Global Insight. And Neil, you got the floor. Sure. Uh, Joe, for those dealers who are losing um, uh, stores or losing brands, is there a possibility of picking up a new brand? Uh, Volkswagen has some very ambitious plans to expand in the U.S., uh, Kia, Hyundai, there are brands that are, are trying to expand here. There, there are opportunities to take, if you have a Saturn store that's, that's no longer going to be a Saturn or a Hummer store, to turn that into Volkswagen, hook up with another manufacturer? Mahindra? Mahindra? Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I got word, I mentioned earlier, you know, nine franchises are going to no longer be around. At that point, as a business owner, I've got to look and I've got a facility that in 99% of the time you owe money on. And you owe it to a bank. And so if you don't have something that you can generate revenue from coming out of that building, or if you can't remarket or resell the building or something. So my first choice as a business person was I said, can I find another manufacturer in the same industry to put in there? Because I know how to do that. So we're out there looking and we're out reaching out to all those manufacturers you mentioned, as well as everybody else. Hmm. So now it becomes a beauty contest. The second thing, if we can't do that, is there another business that we can put into that outside of automotive? Again, we don't know that, but you know, I don't know those industries if I try. And then third, if that fails and that fails, the third is, you know, I'm obviously going to try to sell the land and building. That'd be our options. Um, so first is for sure to try to find another, just to replace X with Y and mm -hmm. learn that product. And that's happened. That's happened to many dealers throughout the U.S. already, and you'll see obviously a big change now. Have you had any sort of contact with a company like Volkswagen already? I wonder if, if VW is yeah. sort of proactively going well, out. You bring up a good point. I don't want to mention manufacturers, but I can tell you some manufacturers have proactively went after. They know who the dealers, you know, everybody knows who, who the Saturn retailers are. They know who the Hummer retailers are. They know who the Chrysler dealers that were just announced. They don't know the GM ones because obviously that wasn't made public. Um, so they've proactively went after. And that's the risk the manufacturer takes when they decide to thin their ranks, which you talked about earlier, they're thinning their ranks. You know, you're allowing competition. I mean, I, I have to do something. I have to survive, not only for land and building, for my employees. I mean, I, you know, these are, they're family. In our business, we're small, it's family. I gotta allow them a chance to have a livelihood. Fisker, you're gonna sell Fisker cars. Very excited about that. Why? I, it seems like a real roll of the dice to me. It's, it's really not. I mean, every well, everything we do in business ventures roll the dice, quite frankly, in our, in our business. Every time I pick up Saturn, when I started with that, was a roll of dice. Hummer was a roll of dice. Mm -hmm. Buying a, uh, the, but this buying, is a, a, a very low volume, very yeah. expensive, or I shouldn't say expensive, but very no, premium plug-in, yeah. you know. Well, they're not, Tesla well, but, price. But, 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 it's, but it's also very small, you know, quantity. We're looking at 15,000. That's pretty minor. Um, and from a appearance and look, it is, it is flat out the best look, in my opinion, the best looking automobile I've ever seen. Yeah, but 15,000 15, a year is not small potatoes in that segment. I mean, that's, that's BMW that's, 7 yeah, Series. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, it is awesome looking. It's beautiful. And I, Henrick... I've, I've got a lot of faith Henrik in confidence. Fisker, right. I'm the guy sorry, who designed Fisker. all this, right. He, you know, he's like a rock star. He's a neat guy. I've got to know him over the years. And, um, you know, Vic Doolin's on board. I, I like the team. And part of that, when you decide who you're going to do business with, do you like the players? And so I like the players. I like the product. Um, their requirements, I think they understand the retail side. They're not asking us to, you know, do things that don't make good business sense. They want to listen and 
have some dialogue. So I, I'm, I'm willing to do it for them. I want to take that risk. And, and that's part of what we do as business people. We when, take some When risk. do you start selling these cars? Well, we're, you know, that's a good point. We're, not, we're still, as we speak, working through the dealer agreement because it's different by each state and we're getting the language right. And they, they want our input in that. Now, that's different. Mm -hmm. um, and so we hope to have that signed by the, um, probably within the next 60 days, and then production. We're, we're, we're a time out. Where do you put them? You put them in your Hummer stores? You know, they're going to come up. We, I've got, I'm responsible for the state of Michigan, and that's a nice thing about um, the Fisker brand is that we'll probably be going to the customers 99.9% .9 of the time. So I need to, and because I do have locations throughout the state of Michigan, I'm going to have some good contact points for these consumers. But we'll have one area where we designate as the main um, showroom sales facility and service and that'll be a conversation that Vic and I have. Vic Doolin will come up, we'll look at the different sites and say, okay, this is the area I want to be in. You know, I do have to say though, of all the, these alternative energy platform vehicles, the Fisker has started to impress me in terms of, who they're, in terms of who they're getting on board, how they're going to be making the vehicle. <clears throat> they're, they're getting things, they're doing things as a small manufacturer the best way that they can. They're getting an engine from GM. They're getting, I think it's Valmet is going to be doing the assembly. I mean, Magna's doing a large portion of the integration. So all of these knowledgeable companies and knowledgeable people are coming together fairly quickly to make an actual car. And we look at Tesla, and Tesla's just a, their agreement with <coughs> Daimler. Daimler coming on board and taking 10% of the company a couple days ago is, is also something that's really started to make some legitimacy in, in a lot of these California startup companies. Now, that, that said, there are a number of them that are not that don't have that kind of legitimacy yet. I mean, we keep hearing about Aptera, and I see a great concept car, and I haven't seen very much information about Aptera's uh, product plan or business plan at all. So, but when we're talking about Fisker, it it's really seems that they, they, they're starting to come up. Mm -hmm. as, lo as long as we're on uh, uh, green cars, Fisker with the, uh, the electric vehicle, Joe, what do you make of the, the new uh, uh, fuel economy regulations that the Obama administration has announced, and does that is that going to affect dramatically the the, the mix of vehicles that you sell? Um, I've got many reactions to that. The first is the number that you heard, thirteen hundred dollars. I mean, that's a dream. It's going to be a lot more than thirteen hundred to accomplish the objective. In my opinion. Just to, to, to interject for that, uh, Ricardo, uh, the the engine powertrain design company, uh, came out today and said it's going to be between five thousand and twelve thousand dollars more cost. So didn't mean to interrupt. No, but it was I a good figure to throw in. You're saying that, and if so, if we just start with that, I mean that's just so. And for that, we're going to be driving maybe something that, again, isn't what we want. And I'm just a, I'm a big believer in letting individuals make choices. And if a manufacturer wants to build this, and another manufacturer wants to build that, and this is what the public wants, they win. If this is what the public wants, they win. And if they don't, they, they don't stay in business. I don't need to be dictated to. I'm just not a big fan of that. I don't think people are. I know I, in running a business, my employees don't want to be. They want to have some say. And will it, will it affect the mix? It has to. It has to affect, some, affect a mix because if they certainly have to hit that target, they're going to have to do business differently than they do today. See, it's interesting because at, at IHS Global Insight, we're not really forecasting a segmentation change. We've looked at it and determined exactly what it's going to take in order to get to these kinds of levels. And we had originally intended 2020. They actually did a, a fairly decent study. A gentleman at our company named Phil Gott had uh, come out and did quite an extensive study of it. And it predicted around 50% hybridization for the market, 25% diesel by 2020. This is all getting moved up. 
Now the Ricardo numbers are interesting because I hadn't actually heard that level of five to twelve thousand dollars. I actually think that's probably on the high side. Well, here's one thing that I can just point out: hybrids really add about three thousand dollars cost. Mm -hmm. So there's three thousand right there. Diesel emissions standards are adding, at least at this snapshot in time, four to five thousand dollars. That's not the cost of the engine. That's just the cost of the emissions equipment. We've actually brought down our diesel forecast because of the volatility of diesel. Prices. I'd bring it down more because yeah. you got to look at diesel refining capacity, mm -hmm. and exactly. it ain't there. That's it ain't there for twenty-five percent. Exactly. The middle, the middleweight oils and the middleweight refinables, <laughs> right there. Right. Actually, the demand is going up globally, and one of the byproducts is a lot of gasoline is going mm -hmm. to be produced, and so gasoline prices are looking to stay right around mid to low low two dollars a gallon and so that's going to be coming down. Americans don't want to buy small cars. They don't use small cars the same way that Europeans use small cars. It's not, this is not Europe and unless we start getting fuel taxes where we get seven to ten dollars a gallon for gasoline, you're not going to get Americans moving into small cars on mass. Yeah, I know, but you know, if I look at European uh, cafe right now, they don't have any fuel economy laws as you know, they just right. price the fuel up high. Right. But they're at about 36 miles per gallon mm -hmm. right now for their fleet. Well, we're supposed to get to 35. To me, that's what our fleet's going to look like, like Europe's. It's from what we're actually forecasting. You're going to see some segmentation change. There will be a little bit, and there may be some tweaking. But like what they did in the 70s and 80s, you may get, say, like a, a V8 Camaro produced the first half of the year, but you may not be able to find that V8 Camaro in the second half of the year because they have to produce V6s in order to meet CAFE for that year. So there may be some tweaks that they're able to do like that, but there isn't going to be a wholesale change in consumer demand simply because the fuel economy regulations have gone well, up. Well, I think that that's, that's true. But we did see a year ago when we had gasoline at $4 a gallon exactly. that it was a different world. And, and I think the, the, the consensus is that we're going to have higher gasoline prices. And, you know, in the Chinese economy and the Indian economy are, are booming again, there's going to be a lot of oil used in the world. And, and I don't think you can rule out that, that gas prices will go back up to but that's four. That's what we need. That's what we need to see. You have <laughs> mm -hmm. to have that fuel price back up right. there in order right. to affect American demand. Because if the Americans can be reliably counted on to do one thing, it's to buy big vehicles when <laughs> gas gets cheap. They're doing it now. <laughs> that's right. They're buying crossovers and mid-sized sedans. And the subcompacts are still 2.5% of the market. So. And I, like, you, like you'd said earlier, you know, that whole freedom of choice, go out and buy what you want. Americans have had that freedom of choice for years, and subcompacts are still 2%, and hybrids are still 2% of the market. People don't want them. They want the 15% of the market that's, that's mid-sized sedans, or what it used to be, 15 for pickups, and now it's dropping slowly quartz down towards 10 for pickups, but that's what they want to buy. That's how they use them. It's, I, I can't fit in a Chevy Spark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, real good. We ought to wrap this up right here, right now. But again, Joe, Sarah, thanks for thank so much for coming on. And, and Neil Bodette and Aaron Bragman, thank you guys, thank you too. Much. And thank all of you for tuning in.